Hi, and welcome to First Up. This is the podcast edition of the morning show, Monday mornings from 7.30 to 9 on the radio at 93.3 CFMU and on CFMU.ca. My name is Jomar, and thanks for coming along. Great to see you again in another episode of First Up. We have a special guest today, as we do nowadays with these episodes on the podcast forum, so I'll introduce them in just a bit. Uh, but first, I do want to warn you, actually, that uh, this has been an interesting conversation, but with that, uh, I did bring about some opinions. So a couple things there. The first is that there may be some potentially sensitive subject matter in this conversation, so just a word of warning there in case there may be something that potentially may be triggering to you. And alongside that, with the opinions that I express, they are solely mine. I do want to make sure that is clear. They are solely mine and do not in any way reflect those of CFMU. So if you disagree with something, don't blame the station. Please don't blame CFMU. You can blame me entirely and I give you full permission to do that. (laughs) Anyway, now let's introduce the guest for today who is a Toronto-based singer-songwriter with a brand new EP out called Songs for Rebecca. His name is Ian Arden and we had an interesting conversation about the EP and a bunch of other of, I guess we can call them life's bigger questions, if you will. Of course, Ian was very nice enough and kind enough and actually very brave enough to ask me a few questions. And so this was a very interesting conversation uh, that we had, and I hope you enjoy it as well. So here's that conversation with Ian, me, and of course you. Uh, What I'll do first is lead us in with one of Ian's songs from that EP, and this one is called Nadia. And so I hope you enjoy this and the conversation, and I will probably catch you later on in just a moment. Hopefully you enjoy it. There's a lion in her soul She doesn't even know There's a lion in her soul She doesn't even know There's a lion in her soul She doesn't even know Oh no, there's a lion in her soul She doesn't even know This is 93.3 CFMU. Jomar here with you, and I have a special guest in today uh, to have a little conversation about some music and maybe some conversations on mental health. But kind of the main idea today is introducing this fellow's debut EP called Songs for Rebecca. We're going to hear a lot about this, probably chat about it, and a bunch of uh, a bunch more really get a, get a better picture of my guest today. And without further ado, here he is. It's Ian Arden. Ian, thanks so much for coming on. Oh, thanks so much, Jomar. I'm really happy to be on here. Yeah, glad to have you on. Well, how have you been first off? How are things? Things are really good. I'm just enjoying the weather, and uh, it's just such a nice time in Toronto. And but Toronto, Toronto really comes alive in the month of May, and I'm just uh, really, really good. Oh yeah. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. You know, and and um, it's it's funny you mentioned that Toronto because I I know that all the events it, it definitely is kind of when people start to go out and do festivals, events, and even just go stroll the streets of downtown or wherever it may be. Actually, uh, I don't know if you uh, are, are familiar with the Doors Open weekend series that happens every year. 
uh, in Toronto, Doors Open Toronto. That's something that I actually missed this year because I was elsewhere doing some stuff with the family and I said, gee, man, I would have loved to because it's, it's such a, it's an interesting event where uh, there are a lot of places normally not open to the public that they actually open their doors wide open and let you go and have a look at these places. So it's like if you ever want to get a snapshot of different points of interest all across the city, then it's a pretty great, uh, a pretty great neat opportunity to do that. Like a couple, I know a couple of radio stations are open, city halls open, there are a bunch of other things like that. So um, festivals or events like that is, is what makes Toronto such an exciting place to be, especially, yeah, come end of May, leading into the summer. So, you know, stuff like that. Have you been to anything yourself or just enjoying the weather and, and that sort of thing? Yeah, usually I would partake in events. I mean, Toronto's got so many great events like Doors Open or Rue Blanche in the autumn time. Yeah. And of course, Christmas Market. There's just an endless fountain of beauty that this city has to offer. Lately, I've, uh, things have been good, but I was recovering a little bit from some uh, some health issues. And so I've uh-huh. mostly kind of just been a homebody. Uh-huh. I was uh, suffering from... Uh, my, my liver was just taking a bit of a beating lately. And uh, so... Things, it's getting better, but yeah. I was going through periods of several heart palpitations several times a day, or mm. periods where uh, my body temperature would plummet and I would be quite cold. So that wasn't, you know, that's not, that's not. I don't want to put my friends through that. So I just kind of wished my friends well and was like, ah, I can't make it today. And but uh, lately things have been getting better. And I might, you know, go to some cool events. Uh, later but yeah, yeah. It's, been a, it's been an interesting few months for sure no that's good to hear i mean of course you don't want to over overwork yourself uh, in any sort of circumstance especially now right sort of taking that recovery and uh, taking it easy as much as you can and then maybe gradually reintroducing yourself out to to some of these events and hey maybe even performing shows i'll bet too have you i don't know that's something that you probably might be uh looking into perhaps uh, down the road maybe doing some live shows or anything like that related to your music I really love the idea of playing live, but I love the idea of playing live when, because I know myself as an audience member, uh, you know, the only live shows I really want to see are the ones I really want to see. And so I would love to let the demands build a little bit more for this as I get myself back into fighting shape. And so that by the time I'm playing that, you know, show with maybe a few other Toronto artists or even outside of Toronto, People are really happy about it. They're like, oh, these songs, I've been listening to them on repeat. You know, I have to go. This is like a special treat. So they always say to artists, you know, play, don't play too much in the same city. Definitely, uh, you know, obviously I've had to, because of my health, to not be able to play live and do as much public appearances as, as I'd like to. But it's, 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 nice to, it's nice to build that demand. Because I've definitely seen local artists sometimes saturate a little bit and play too soon and it's like oh I only know I don't even know the record that well or they play too often and they kind of watch their audience diminish just tons on yeah yeah so it'll be it'll be great to, to do that at some point and have you noticed that Jomar what, what, what are your thoughts on uh, what are your thoughts on what have you perhaps a different take on, on just like live music performances in general or but yeah just like local artists uh, do they play live too often perhaps uh, I would say sorry re- repeat that again just to make sure that I had it right do they play what too often do, do Us to want to go to them. 
that's actually an interesting perspective because for me, I guess coming from an from coming from the promotion side of things, right, and getting artists heard out there. Of course, even if we may not know an artist by name, we'd still go out to shows. Like for instance, out here in Hamilton, you know, there's there's a pretty big music scene as well, and I think it it all also depends on the music community you know, in the area, because there are some very supportive music communities in which even if a person has not made themselves known out there, then they still get the opportunity to perform and they've got an audience out there who's willing to, it's like they have an open ear to kind of catch new talent. So, and I think that's kind of the beauty about some of the, whether it's, uh, I guess I could say, quote unquote, smaller uh, music communities relative to, you know, much larger uh, what like record label signings and so on and so forth, but where you've got people that are pretty open-minded in their music. And so they'll go to shows just for having a good time. And I think it's those people. I think if you're in that kind of good company, then that's kind of a great way to get yourself started out there. Cause I know uh, one of the best things, and I'm not sure if, if, if you've uh, noted some artists, but sometimes what they do is there are some people that have, they don't even, uh, they don't even say open for larger bands. I mean, that's always a great op, uh, great opportunity to, to get started and get really thrusted into the, into the performance uh, side of things. But I know I once, uh, met some artists through a uh, coffee shop tour because there was this one artist that organized, uh, in collaboration with a coffee shop and she went and invited a bunch of local artists who, or either, yeah, they either had hardly much music released or just wanted a platform to perform. Kind of almost like an open mic, but not really, in a sense, where you've got just, just artists who come on and, and these are people that are just sitting, you know, having their, uh, whatever it is they have at a coffee shop and, and then just get to enjoy some of the music they, they listen to live. And I think that opportunities like that with, if, I think if you're in the right audience, I'd say then, then you might get some at least, uh, some kind of exposure in that way, right? And of course, you've got radio airplay, like uh, campus radio. So of course, we'll we'll try to spin your stuff as best as we can. I'll, I, I assure you that, Ian, for sure. But uh, yeah, honestly, you know, it's it's really just that. Um, I think it depends on on the crowd. I, I would say, but I, but I do get what you mean because yes, there might be times where if you start re- repeatedly performing in the same places, then and with hardly much material, then it kind of starts to ca- people start to catch on. And then maybe they'll say, oh, yeah, I've already seen this person before, you know, and that and kind of respectfully decline or something like that. But that is a very interesting perspective, though, that you put it that way. And thanks for asking that question. (laughs) I really appreciate it. You are are you referring to Christy Hagerman's uh, Starbucks tour? I mean, that was such a beautiful. Yes. I had a few friends who participated in that. That really? Beautiful thing she did. And I think, uh, yeah, one of my friends, uh, Malika, Brilliant, brilliant singer performed oh. there. Yeah, I never got a chance to actually catch uh, one of those shows, but yeah. I always, uh, was a big supporter of those. And yeah, it's so it's so lovely when the audience is there. Yeah, small music seems like Hamilton. Yeah, I'd love to exactly. Hamilton. Hamilton's awesome. And it's crazy, you know, that tour was by chance. Like, if you've ever caught my conversation, even if, you, if you're if you listening to this uh, conversation right now uh, through CFMU here with uh, Ian Arden, um, if uh, you caught my interview with Christy, because I actually uh, had her on twice, once when I first met her, and that was when she did the Starbucks tour, what was that, some five, six years ago now? It's crazy how time flies, isn't it? And okay. uh, and so, yeah, we did the, she did the tour, I said, because uh, I think I came across the list, uh, her uh, ads by chance. And so I said, I'd love to go and check this out. This seems like a neat opportunity to 
kind of get those these artists, give them some exposure, right? And so then I, I sat there, loved it, listened to her music, some other people that I got to meet there. Just such, it's like everybody wins, really, right? The people, of course, get, get the music they want, the artists get the performances they want, and so it's a kind of a nice way to get initiated or get started kind of get your foot in the door with performances so yeah i mean i and and hamilton is full of performance venues i'm sure that there are people uh that uh, now i cannot advocate for for every single venue in hamilton but i can tell you that there are a lot of venues and um surely probably a, a great deal of opportunities to be able to at least have those those small little unplugged live sessions just to kind of test the waters out and and see what it's like right so when they come to the Hamilton uh, Arena. Oh, there you go. Oh, what's the name of the arena in Hamilton? Like, yes, so the first the first Ontario uh, concert hall, right? Yeah, exactly. First Ontario place or something, right? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. They have a couple of first yeah. Ontarios out there. So now, believe me, even even me having been there uh, in Hamilton around, sometimes I mix up the names, admittedly. So yes, it is first Ontario is something for sure, no doubt about it. But yeah, for sure, honestly, you know, it's um, and I think that's kind of the the beauty about places like Hamilton and Toronto, you know, where they have these communities to allow you to kind of test the waters out and get started instead of having to finger, keep your fingers crossed and hope that you just land some kind of a good uh, opportunity out there. Like, I, I firmly believe, to tell you the truth, that uh, that, that that opportunity is 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 going to come up to you. It, it'll present itself to you in some way. I'm very sure of it. So I think it's just a matter of just keeping up with with what you do and uh and then you know when when one day that opportunity will certainly come to you I, and i'm a firm believer in that so rest assured i'm sure you will land whatever gig it is you're looking for there ian <laughs> thank you no thanks for and um, i have every confidence that this podcast uh, the word is already spreading but it's going to spread even more and uh really big things are in your future yeah and of, and of course uh, i heard the conversations with christy actually and it was, just, yeah. they were, it was so stunning to hear such a quality uh, you have a great voice for radio and you ask really great questions. It's, it's a really you know, exceptional program. So I think Thank you. If, 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 it's, if the word hasn't spread like wildfire yet, it's about to. So, <laughs> Thank yeah, you. Be prepared for that. It's really going to, uh, every musician in Canada and beyond is going to want to interview. <laughs> well, I'm glad. Hey, you never know. And honestly, but that's the thing for me too, right? It's it's always being able to promote, especially our all of our local talent here, because there's just so much untapped potential out there, I think. And that's kind of what it is. And, and these mediums are probably the best way and performances, of course, to get, get, get yourselves out there. So honestly, whatever it is to help, help the artists out, it's like that, uh, uh, I'd be more than happy to. But hey, Ian, I mean, uh, I, I hope to help you out here, especially. So <laughs> um, with with yourself, though, I know you you currently mentioned you've mentioned Toronto a lot, but you yourself actually originally were from, I believe it's Montreal, right? And then you moved to Toronto at some point. Exactly. Yeah. Wonderful, uh, beautiful neighborhood. Uh, my first memories are walking down the street in and uh, I learned to swim in the Olympic swimming pool, actually. Montreal, so you can imagine how idyllic Montreal is for me. I moved from there when I was five. So the first five years of my life are in are memories of Montreal. So you can imagine how beautiful and like almost magical I see that place. Right? Yeah. It's so beautiful. Hmm. Yeah, and it honestly, is do you have? Are there any any standout memories that you have, or is it uh, alongside the pool, or any any standout memories of of your time in Montreal? just uh, one of my fondest memories is walking down the street and apparently I always had a smile on my face and I just was uh, you know I was able to pick up on the French language with great ease uh, as a youngster however so I could pick up on it quick but I was somebody who really liked tradition 
I loved the idea that we don't we'll always go by the same routes on the walk home. I loved the idea of uh, walking down in the underground path in Montreal. I loved that familiarity, and I loved something uh, like uh, building snowmen. Mm-hmm. You know? And I remember back in Montreal in November, there was still snow, and we would build a snowman, and uh, uh, instead of using buttons for uh, the eyes or the nose or whatever, we would use Smarties. And, oh, man. You know, and of course, I was uh, very, I, I remember eating a lot of them. <laughs> but uh, it was it was just such a that that like that's the standout memory the sticking the carrot and snowman now and then using Smarties for the button that's the most Canadian that might be the most Canadian thing of all time right Smarties <laughs> Canadian candy right so, yeah you're really snowman with Smarties as the eyes and stuff but you see the most Canadian thing I would think of is if you put Timbits you know just get small Timbits from Tim Hortons or something and put those as large oversized buttons or, or donuts even if you really wanted to that'd honestly be the but still you know what um, any any mention of just these even the and, and i get it these simple activities just they evoke so such nostalgia even now like looking back is sort of almost long for those days because uh we don't get enough snow at least here in in this area for for or at least it depends on the winter we get to actually be able to build a snowman i'll, I'll tell you um the only way i've been able to relive that memory is if I try to roll snowballs in my driveway while I'm shoveling it on a heavy snow a day just to get it off the driveway, and then just roll these massive snowballs that way onto the side, and then maybe build kind of a really skewed-looking uh, snowman or something like that. But unfortunately, no no buttons or, or smarties or timbits hanging around to make buttons, so I just have to kind of draw them into the body of the snowman, you know, <laughs> and that sort of thing. Relive the childhood a little bit, right? Exactly. No, that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. But honestly, no, just just hearing those, it sounds like you had a lot of great uh, moments in uh, in Montreal. But when when you came to Toronto, I know, of course, and, and as with any place, I'm sure there's always that adjustment and getting uh, kind of accustomed to the ways of uh, of uh, moving into a new city or a new place entirely. What was that experience like for you when when you first came to Toronto? Do you remember much about that? I do. Yeah, sadly, uh, it was heartbreaking. I was I've always liked tradition, like I said, and yeah. like routine. And yeah. so I was really, really stubborn about not wanting to learn English. And uh, I remember on the first day of uh, school, uh, I was too shy. I could hardly string sentences together in English. And uh, eventually I peed in my pants because I didn't want to ask where the bathroom was. Oh, man. <laughs> so my mom had to come and bring me. Uh, <laughs> you know, my, my sister was going to the same school. My sister was in the hall. And she saw my mom in the hall. She's like, wait, mom. What are you doing here? And then she's like, "Oh, your your brother, he beat in his pants. I have to give him a new pair of pants." <laughs> oh man, <laughs> that's, that's a pretty great uh, apropos metaphor. And I just, I, I wanted to, I just hated English. I just wanted to learn. I wanted to watch French TV, and I wanted to learn French. And mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I, uh, I couldn't even, you know, I, I, I was, I was nervous in situations, and there was a stutter and a stammer and an accent and so yeah it was a really bleak future where mm-hmm. my parents were like you know my sister's picking up the English really well but yeah, neither, neither of my parents spoke uh, much English you know my dad uh, French Canadian my mom Moroccan they spoke in French yeah. so it was a really tough thing to, to do and it was years of trying to learn this language yeah 
Yeah, and and of course, of all the languages, especially if you don't learn it from young, it's English. You know, and and as we, I've I've uh, always been having conversations with friends or colleagues or anybody, just sort of going off of how weird and complex the English language is. There's one thing to learn the basics, but to have it at a very conversational level, I think, and I found even even for me, uh, it's it's a wonder how people pick it up, and it really is just through experience and exposure. But it's not the easiest language to pick up, that's for sure. Um, and it would have to be through whether immersing yourself. And I really think that's what it is too, like immersing yourself into the culture, uh, or into some way that, that has English. Like I know you, you, uh, told in another interview that it was through, uh, Leonard Cohen songs, for example, or other, other songs where that's kind of how you learned the English language, albeit perhaps by a bit of force, I think. Right. It was by force. Yeah. My, uh, my dad had had enough after a while. We, uh, he said, you know, I can teach you everything, but I don't speak English. But, mm-hmm. you know, the typical, the most Montreal thing of all time is like, but yeah, why don't you learn Leonard Cohen? Because Leonard Cohen is also from Montreal. Yeah. Actually, my father, we had a few friends in common with, uh, with, with Leonard Cohen. I think, uh, I think they might have had coffee a couple of times, but oh, wow. they're definitely in the same sort of circle. And <laughs> it was a great, uh, it, was a, it was a really tremendous loss when we lost together. But, oh, yeah. yeah, my dad said, enough is enough. you got to learn English. And, uh, so, you know, even my dad was a huge admirer of music, just always loved it. And mm. even though he never, for, for whatever reason, he never really learned English that well himself, maybe there was a feeling of, you know, me, me, me needing to learn it because he couldn't, he knew it was too late for him. So, yeah. he would say, yeah, day after day, you know, I'm home from school, and all right, today's song is going to be the stranger song, you know. It's true that all the men you knew were dealers who said they were through the dealer, and they tried to give shelter. You know, that kind yeah, of man yeah. that tried mm-hmm. to hold the hand of anyone who was reaching for the sky just to surrender. He was reaching for the sky just to surrender. And they, on and on and on it would go. Yeah. And just have to memorize it and memorize it and memorize it. And then, yeah, and if I got one word wrong, that's not how you pronounce it. You don't say, you know, if I said surrender with a bad inflection, yeah. start again. So it was a really brutal process. And, uh, you know, you know, you know, men of that generation, you know how yeah. uh, they can be, they can be stonewalling. And you, know, you can imagine the patience and the frustration, him losing his patience, him losing his frustration. But by the time I was, uh, so by the time I was in high school, I was quite formidable as a writer. I was writing songs. I was uh, writing poetry. And to this day, I still, I still have him to thank in many ways. You know, it's, it's a very tough pill to swallow. And there was a lot of, you know, I, I did my mom and him kind of got to parenting shifts. And, you know, perhaps I could not see my mother as often as I'd wish, which is, you know, yeah. imagine how terrible that is, you know. Mm-hmm. But because she spoke French a lot with me and wanted to sort of have that connection with me. But you know, to be severed from your mother and that connection, to be severed from Montreal at that, that age, you, know, yeah. you, get, you get kind of introspective. And, Introspection has had. A, you, you can think about some of the top psychodynamics of that. But oh, for sure. It's, uh, ultimately, I'm. I guess I have to be grateful for it, right? Yeah, no, and honestly, I, I, but the thing is, I, I know it definitely would not seem like something you'd be grateful for in the moment, for sure. Like, I, I, I can only imagine all the pain and uh, just just even your own frustrations, right? So you're just saying, perhaps you're thinking, maybe I just want to get out of this, but uh, that, but then you're, maybe they kept on persisting. And uh, it's it's crazy sometimes coming with with sort of the the mindset or the where our minds are now 
when we look back at these kinds of experiences. Like I know I, I can tell you in, in, in my childhood, of course, nothing against my parents, of course, but it was definitely a very strict upbringing. And so they were very particular on certain things. And these were things that I certainly very much despised during those times. But now that I look back and I realize it's, it's crazy how all these little things add up and they, I guess, have shaped me into who I've become today. And I can't thank anybody else but them. So it's pretty crazy how it all kind of comes around back in that way, for sure. But so, but I definitely, I definitely get you on that one. Uh, 100%. How are they? Uh, what kind of? Uh, tell me more about your background. Which, uh, what, what kind of upbringing do you have? And from where, from where do your parents hail from? Yeah, sure. Both of them, both of them are from the Philippines, and so they came here. All of us, though, my siblings and I, we were all born here in Canada, uh, but they came. Uh, so they came around in the in in around the 1990s. My mom came first, and then my dad came after, and they. They got married both here and back home, but eventually decided to settle here pretty much at the time. And the, the biggest thing, I think, first off, of course, is, is, is tradition and culture. Of course, there's, there's, the, there's the want to uh, sort of preserve culture from wherever you're coming from when you come into Canada. So when I first grew up, I remember uh, we were almost, I think, in exclusively being spoken to in our home language, which is Tagalog. That's a Filipino, uh, one of the Filipino languages. And I apparently was pretty good at it right up until about junior kindergarten. So once I got to about the age of five or six, that's when English started creeping in because of the English instructions. So I was conflicted. A kid trying to learn two languages or maintain two languages at once, I think to me was quite a challenge. So I eventually ended up dropping the old language in about halfway where I, I to this day I still understand it perfectly I just can't speak it because I was always so used to speaking in English in everything so whether it was from classwork to then taking it home I could only focus on one language at a time to speak so that's kind of what ended up happening there and actually I would dare say now that my French might be better than my Tagalog, which is pretty crazy because in, in my, in about grade five onward, I took a program where we did uh, half instruction in English and half in French. So for me, and kind of coming back to your language thing really quickly before I head back to sort of my upbringings, but when you talked about language, I find that it really is the immersion of culture. And that's kind of why I emphasized the immersion of culture because I figured I, I mean, I could, I've, I consider myself uh, somebody who can write really well in French and read decently well, which is not too bad. But when it comes to actually having a conversation and, and you're either, you're there and you're put on the spot needing to speak impromptu, that's where I struggled mightily once I stopped learning or taking that uh, classroom instruction because there was no real way for me to practice. And, you know, only if I go, let's say, over to Montreal, which it's, it's always beautiful to go out that way, uh, or if I happen to encounter people that speak French, that's the only way I get to practice. Uh, otherwise, I can't build on, on writing and reading without actually speaking the language. So that's kind of uh, why I figured having immersion in culture, so me listening to French music, and interestingly, is a great way to do it, or French radio or shows, always a great way to do so. But anyway, coming back to me, no, so... I think it's sort of the, the sort of a generational kind of, uh, the, the values that my parents wanted to instill in my, in my siblings and myself. And so sort of trying to make sure that we were to hold fast to those values. And, uh, so any areas in which we started to divert 
or become a little bit too, let's say, um, uh, I wouldn't say mainstream. There, there's another word. I guess uh, uh, we, if, if we started to stray away or, or deviate from some of those ideals, then there were some considerable uh, disciplinary, you know, ways of, of reprimanding us or, or correcting us in a sense. And so that's kind of where the strictness, quote unquote, came from. Now, thank goodness it was not. Yeah, just 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 sort of general values of uh, you know how you, how you compose yourself how you interact with others and uh, actually a, a lot of faith actually plays into that too sort of sort of ways in which you treat others and ways in which you speak with others uh, and how you basically just just yeah pretty much how you how you compose yourself really on a day-to-day basis and you know looking now I feel like these are a lot of them are pretty common sense but it's actually pretty crazy the more that I think if I were to reflect very deeply on a lot of the stuff that some of these some of these values are sort of at least in the public eye in terms of what's being shown to us whether media or through our immediate peers that some of these things are somewhat being lost sort of uh, a certain respect for elders for example uh, or uh, you know little things like that here and there. now not to say that and especially if you're listening and you're like oh no what do you mean what do you mean oh i love my grandparents or something you know it's i think it's just a, a very very general statement i think Right. So, of course, there are people there are, there are people that, that do want to maintain that. But it's, it's sometimes uh, it, it just doesn't seem to come across as much as it probably used to uh, 10, 20, 30 years ago, where that was probably commonplace. And anything outside of that was then regarded as as uh, uh, as an outlier, you know. So it's those kinds of values. So just just very basic human values. I think that's what it is. The Canadian society, society yeah. as a far more individualistic than at least contemporarily compared to a country or society like the Philippines traditionally. Would you say that's a fair comparison? I think that's what it is. Now you see, and, and that's kind of where, um, if I'm being frank here, I think that's kind of where a lot of uh, some of the issues that are surfacing now are actually surfacing now because of that in individualistic empowerment and i think it's great honestly of course being in a place like canada i think being able to express yourself in that way is is, is always honestly it, it, it is a fundamental right i think to be able to do that but the way in which some people do it i think that's where the issue starts to come in because of sort of this um uh, excessive empowerment sometimes where let's say oh yeah hey i i have the power to do this and whatever you know if i want to I want to live, the emphasis is on me and I rather than on, on the other sometimes. At sometimes where it may come at the expense of another. And I think that's kind of where those, that's kind of where the, the, the values that come from, say, other countries that uh, were more, whether they were uh, family centric or community centric, just because people associated with each other, just, it was just the nature of, of how those communities are built and how people live. And it's, it's, it's a big difference when you're talking about, you know, even, even not just Canada, but just, just North American countries or, or these countries where we have, you know, in kind of in, in like the Western world, as we could probably say it. I think it really is definitely, uh, there's a lot more individualism here, which has, of course, its pros 100%. But I think that with that also comes the, uh, everyone's responsible for the, the themselves individuals to make sure that we still, look out for each other and and not just simply go about uh imposing or being overly vocal about our own 
opinions and expressions, right? So yes, definitely, definitely uh, very individualistic here in Canada to a degree. Yes, absolutely. And um, uh, yeah, it's, it's really great to get to talk to someone like that. Because I'm sort of, on the one hand, I am, I am Canadian, but also I'm French Canadian and Moroccan. So yeah. Anglo-Canadian culture, too. It was a really tough thing for me to... Yeah, there was an interesting standoffishness uh, that I experienced. Uh, so even, even after learning English, like, you know, I learned mm-hmm. the language, but I didn't learn the culture. Does that, does that kind of make sense? Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. Cause, but, and, and I think that's kind of where they come hand in hand, right? Where you need to have both of them. Uh, or at least it's helpful to have both of them to really immerse yourself and, and get pick up a language quickly. Because if you only have one without the other, it's a little trickier. Absolutely. Yeah. How about how about yourself? Do, do you sort of see it as? Uh, what are your thoughts on it? No, you said it perfectly. The individualism. Individualism has so many benefits to it, but uh, yeah, it's it's interesting to note that uh, it would be interesting to measure how happy these societies really are, and that. Uh, there's a lot of loneliness. Uh, a lot of the people uh, in this generation are struggling. Have they have fewer friends than ever, and they have fewer romantic connections than ever. Yeah, uh, which, which is sad. Even though the potential to have all these connections has always been there, and of course there's risks of divorce and separation. It's interesting in a country, in a society like the Philippines, the concept of divorcing someone, unless you know, the, I feel like the standard for divorce uh, in a traditional Filipino society would be unless that person is going to make you either like suicidal or homicidal and completely unreasonable, then you leave them. But other than that, don't leave them. You're, you're going to stick together no matter what. Yeah. Uh, is that is that fair assessment? Whereas in Canadian society, it's like, oh, you know, so uh, uh, I asked them to go pick up, uh, you know, double-double, medium double-double for tomorrow the other day. And they came here with like a large black coffee. They didn't, there's no cream of or nothing. I'm like, yo, buddy, it's over now. Like, yeah, give me a minute. It's like three chances to get me my medium double double with Tim Hortons. And he didn't do it. So it's done, buddy. It's done. Yeah, no, and, and, and that's, you see where the cultural differences come in, right? But the values, it's, it's definitely, you see it. Yeah, the, the individualistic per nature where it, it shows in how people express themselves. So you can really tell where that comes from. Of course, um, the, the, and even even the Western concept of marriage, you know, too, right? It's it's sort of becoming, uh, the, the analysis has more been towards the financial burdens or, or the implications of it rather than the actual original reason why marriage existed in the first place. So it's sort of like a bit of a, a shift, I think. There, people are trying to, of course, make things more relatable, which, which, which does make sense. But I think if you spin it the wrong way, or if it, if it goes in, in an awry direction, then that might start to skew the truths about certain things. And then, of course, in a world now, especially post-pandemic, where one of the biggest hot words is misinformation, and fake news and things like that, where I'm sure that anybody would have some kind of reaction to any of those terms. It's really hard to find the truth in some ways or just get that credibility. I know a lot of people are trying to regain their everyone else's trust, but because that, that, that ball's been dropped, I think it's been very tricky for people to really find that same sense of reassurance uh, that used to come uh, in in days before all this all these things happened these past few years so now it definitely was great for awareness but i i don't think we're going to come out of this turmoil anytime soon uh, what do you think about that uh, fake news and the turmoil 
just generally, yeah, or even just yeah. out of you know, in our current state, the world as it is now, if we're ever going to come out of what it is that we're we're facing. It, it makes me a little bit sad. I uh, I didn't really use social media prior to releasing my music, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, so it was really nice to get as an adult to get a fresh take on it. Someone who didn't use it now, he's on Instagram. It, uh, it, it's sad. People's entire lives revolve around their phone. And that's oh, yeah. uh, mostly a social media platform, something like Instagram or whatever the main hub is. Uh, TikTok, I maybe wouldn't use so much uh, because there's less direct messaging and less uh, opportunity to message uh, people and interact. It's less uh, interactive and more about consuming. But yeah, it felt like my entire day was revolving around this. Uh, it was a quotidian just absorption of people's lives and am I doing enough with my life and yeah. I think as a society Bill Burnham illustrated this perfectly the real world is the real world is in the phone and the outside world is what we interact with just to get material for the to post on the feed have you noticed that? Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, for sure. Honestly, you know, and, um, and to some degrees, of course, as much as I say that I am not crazily a social media user, uh, probably the one platform that I mostly do stuff on is Instagram for, for, for posting content and everything or, or to share or share an episode. Uh, but most times like I'm on, uh, there's, there's this other platform called discord for just for, for peer to peer communications that I'd use on there and, and just my general way of, of living and breathing the space. But in terms of it, it's crazy if I've, I've noticed that even if it isn't for posting on social media, it might just be even receiving information or whatever. If I'm sitting on a bus, for example, and I'm looking around, uh, I'll bet you probably one in every three people probably is looking at a phone or something along those lines. Uh, of course, it's not the place to, to, to converse or to whatever, but I kind of like whenever I sit on a bus to really take in the outside environment, kind of see places or catch little details about things. Maybe it's just a me thing, perhaps, but I just kind of like enjoying the surroundings around me um, and then only letting times I'm to myself or, or just in, in areas where I'm not really in a space to socialize or to, to look at the environment, then I'd probably go and, you know, pull out my phone and check what's going on, on, on Instagram or discord or so on, or even just in general. But yes, there definitely does to me, at least from my perception. And of course, if you're listening, you can totally, uh, you, uh, my, my lines are open. If you, if you ever want to prove me wrong, uh, that, uh, there definitely is a great shift towards, uh, like it's social media is kind of where most things are starting to, in a sense, revolve around. And so if, if you ever get to know me as well, I, I actually kind of like to keep in touch with some of the old. So, um, I've gotten into sending out, uh, mailing out letters and mailing out postcards lately. And so that's always been a fun way of keeping the physical aspect of communication. If, even if it isn't being able to converse with people face to face, uh, or through mediums like this, like thank goodness for video conferencing, for example, otherwise it'd be very hard to get certain guests, but even just being able to leave some kind of a physical memento with somebody, I think a letter or a postcard or some physically mailed item to me embodies that. So, I mean, if like, for instance, for instance, for your case, you know, as, as a way to thank you, I'm sure I'm going to be getting a letter or something sent your way as, as a, as a means of thanking you for coming on the show, for example, uh, once we uh, get to that later on. So little I things like that. Little things like that. I totally agree with what you said about physical mementos. Cause I, uh, I'm really big on, you know, a lot of people have asked me, like, what's the, well, why vinyl? Why merch? And there's just something 
about it and I, you, you, you own the vinyl now and you, once you saw it in your hand there was almost a part of you that was like oh wow this is like real in a way like this guy this is a real person there's that beautiful place where like the narrative or fictional world and the real world actually meet when people are holding the vinyl in their hands somehow somehow social media numbers or streams or other metrics don't start to evaporate and it's like holy cow I'm actually holding a vinyl in my hands or I'm actually wearing the merch mm-hmm. And that, that 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 really helps make it real. Now that now the music has an extra dimension to it, and it's we need we need that combination of the real and the and the fictional. Yeah. Or, or not not fictional, but narrative world. I, I think fictional to mean like the right brain, because when you're listening to music, you're not really hearing the music objectively. You're hearing your own subjectivity projected onto it. And to have that subjectivity collide with a real vinyl that you're holding in your hand, or a long sleeve T-shirt that you're wearing and stuff yeah it's beautiful absolutely those those tokens they're so beautiful and they last forever oh yes yes vinyl especially bonus points to you because i am a turntable enthusiast and i love spinning vinyl so excellent idea releasing a vinyl cut of course you know vinyl's been having a resurgence these days and with with many things but uh, i honestly love my my uh, trusty uh vintage turntable and will <laughs> play whatever i can on it for as long as i can play stuff on it so um i really do thank you for that as well oh you're you're, you're in for a treat <laughs> on side two it's the extended version which is not available anywhere else so you're going to hear extended versions of songs just lyrics on there that you didn't hear anywhere else and additional instrumental section that you didn't hear anywhere else so it'll be it'll be a real treat yeah for sure because because the the actual ep itself only consists of four songs right it's nadia wind moon spirit and there's one more that i that i feel like Track I should three, be. light of day that's yes exactly that's the one but and, and and that's all it is but and i was curious because when i received the vinyl and saw yes there was the the flip side of it and i was wondering it's an interesting version so uh, what can you if if anything perhaps that you could maybe share about what that extended cut might entail compared to just the the original side of things is there anything you can share or would you like to leave it a surprise and absolutely yeah. there's things i can share the uh all, all four songs if you notice they start with vocals immediately when you listen to them on yes, digital. They immediately right. start with the vocals. And it's that immediacy of, okay, I'm going to check out EF, who is he? And then boom. And the first uh, thing you hear when you push play on track one is, can I tell you a story? Yeah. And then immediately, once you've heard that, you're like, okay, fine. Let me go ahead and tell me your story. And then it's, it's a tough one to tell. And you're like, oh, it's a tough one to tell. And then before you know it, you're listening to the, the first chorus of Nadia shows up in the first 40 seconds, I think. So yeah. immediately you're into it. Mm-hmm. Whereas the instrumental, the extended version of Nadia starts out with an instrumental, starts out with a Moog synthesizer playing just the G note. And it has this pumping instrumentation. Yeah. It just builds and it builds and it builds that suspense. And then we go into Can I Tell You a Story? And also, you don't get to the chorus right away either. You get to the pre chorus. The pre chorus, uh, which is a surprise, you have to listen to the extended version, but there's a pre chorus leading into chorus one, which uh, the digital version, the original version, doesn't have. Mm. So there's a lot of great uh, things in there. There's longer instrumental sections, and uh, Natty has this beautiful outro. The Natty extended version is five minutes, and it has this beautiful instrumental outro with like a flute solo and female backing vocalist, and it's mm-hmm. really sweeping. I would say, turn if you haven't heard it yet, turn it up. Turn up your t- turntable loud, listen to it, and you'll just be really blown away. The musicians like hired for this project were really first played. 
Interesting. Yeah, I'll keep that in mind. And you know, I think this kind of is a great testament to the reason why the physical medium probably, you know, <laughs> you know, might might be a great idea. I don't know if this was deliberate in any way to say this will be exclusively on a physical release or anything like that. But what was your rationale then behind having this extended cut come to think about it? Was there any particular uh, motive or you're sort of going, oh, no, there's there's all this great stuff that didn't make it to the original or the official quote unquote stuff that I kind of wanted to share it or what 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 was uh, what would your uh, uh, rationale have been? Yeah, I like the, I like spoiling people. It's a very Moroccan thing. Where, uh, you absolutely go all out for people. And so uh, if I'm going to ask somebody to drop uh, twenty nine ninety eight Canadian on a, even though I am offering free shipping, uh, if I'm going to ask somebody to drop twenty nine ninety eight for a vinyl, they're going to ask themselves, well, why, why would I buy this if I can just get it uh, on digital? You know, I, mm-hmm. I want to support this guy, but I, I find that supporting me is not enough. I really want to give them something of value. So it's like, oh, cool. I already love these songs because I heard them on digital. But I want to hear extended versions, and I have this turntable, I have this vinyl player at my home. Now I'd be a fool not to buy it because I like the songs, but now I want to hear the extended version. So, and I own a vinyl turntable. So it's almost like the reason would become why not buy it rather than why should I buy it? That makes any sense. Ah, I see. Yeah, yeah. But definitely that incentive is there, of course, because you don't have, there, there's no other way to check these out. And if you're listening, you're probably never going to know what these sound like until you have a physical copy, I guess. But uh, yeah, that, that that is an interesting approach there for sure. Yeah. And I, I definitely will flip it over. I was honestly tempted to say, wouldn't it be funny if I just have the music playing in the background off my turntable now while we're having this chat? But then I sort of said, you know what, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll save the extended cuts for, for myself, maybe just just to kind of with your permission be a little quote unquote selfish there but um, no I, I think it uh, I think it'll be uh, exciting to listen to I'm looking forward to checking out that side as well so yeah and you've also by the way just wanted to credit a few other people here uh, you had some vocalists I heard on some of the songs like uh, Regina Bianca on Wind Johnny Rouge on Moon Spirit and Ink Sticks and Stones on Nadia right if I remember correctly absolutely and I got uh, Mindy Amalot on Wind I have Jesse Daly on wind. Mm-hmm. I have uh, Mediterranean on Maris on Nadia. I have Rebecca Fisher on Nadia. And I have, um, who else do I have on Nadia? I think, I think that's it for the female backing vocals, yeah. I see, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it comes back down to my, you know, being, me being a child and equating uh, Montreal and my mother as like this warm maternal quality. And, uh, you know, kind of missing that. You know, you... You go through, I remember having this horrible stammer and not being able to speak English and I was in school and there was this beautiful woman named, or girl, sorry, she was in grade two, named Erin, and I just thought she was the greatest. But imagine me with my limited language abilities trying to in any way articulate to Erin that I liked her or that I thought she was cute or that I wanted to talk to her in any capacity. Mm-hmm. So I was stifled in that capacity. And I remember my first daydreams were daydreams about Erin and I you know, maybe my parents go away for a trip and it's just me and Aaron in the house together. And we're just drinking, sitting at the counter drinking juice boxes. And I'm like, oh no, darling, let me get that for you. You know, I, I, I pierce the, the still the straw. But like, I, I know, I know the, the, the plastic can be tricky, babe. Don't worry, I got this. Mm-hmm. And her being so impressed with my ability to, to open a juice box and to manufacture <laughs> one. And uh, that, 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 that fantasy was there. So when yeah. I got into the music of Ray Charles or Leonard Cohen, these people love using female backing vocalists. And I love that 
that powerful subcommunication that you're telling people that the spirit of femininity is something you crave and you desire and that you are a servant to and that you honor. And so I always knew that needed to be a part of my sound. It's such a, I just love honoring women and everything I do. And so when, when it came time to record these, I, I was friends a little bit with uh, Jesse Daly. And Jesse Daly helps put me in touch. Uh, Jesse Daly is just a wonderful Toronto singer and she's a really supportive person who uh, loves connecting people on the local music scene. So she put me in touch with Ink Sticks and Stones, who is a credible uh, artist. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I had known Rebecca Fisher for uh, some time and we had, uh, we had gone to high school together and lost touch and then reconnected. And it was a good opportunity to give her this opportunity to sing on my stuff. Yeah. I, may, I know through my friend, uh, Mike, Mike Green, who again, put us in touch and it was a really great honor. So it was just a really, you know, I was looking, you know, there's that famous quote from, uh, the book of Matthew, right? Seek and you shall find. Mm-hmm. So I, I was always seeking great female talent. Regina Bianca, I knew it from university, Johnny Rouge, I knew from university. It's just speaking, you shall find, and you find this beautiful oasis of female voices. Our public sounds great. Isn't that just a lovely, yeah. like, beautiful uh, addition to the sound? I, I couldn't imagine these songs without it. It really, sh- and it really shows through with the four tracks, just because of the, their presence in the mall. It kind of is almost a pivotal or, or a, a pillar of the song in, in their own ways. So I really, I really liked all of their features in that for sure. And of course, you have, I think, one of the more prominent ways to feature somebody is, is of course, on the album cover. You have uh, somebody named Nicole Ferrugia on there, I believe, uh, who lent herself to being able to uh, offer herself up for the cover photo. So um, it kind of really yeah. remarkable. Isn't that a beautiful, beautiful album cover? Yeah, yeah. It embodies embodies the EP very well, very well. So props to the uh, to the uh, the folks who helped put that together. Of course, for Nicole herself as well, right? So <laughs> that yeah, is Nicole great. Is absolutely incredible. Like Nicole is a really rare, uh, a rare beauty, and she 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 does a lot of acting, and you know, I think yeah, I, I think. I actually want to apply to the Junos for best album artwork because I'm so in awe of how beautiful Nicole is on that album cover. I would love to uh, share her, share the work of her and the photographers with everyone else because that is a that's a really captivating cover. It just it sums, it sums me up, doesn't it? You know, yeah. <laughs> this beautiful this declaration that you know, this mythoromantic romantic uh, to make honor women in everything I do. Yeah. That's that's what motivates me. That's uh, that's the reason I get up in the morning. Oh, for sure, yeah. Okay, yeah. from a musical perspective, now that we're just just before I lose this thought cuz we were talking about biblical references there with seek and you shall find. Um in terms of I think this will kind of lend itself as a way to help describe you you know how this this album sounds musically because I remember reading up somewhere where where you you were you were sort of uh using an analogy saying if Leonard Cohen was Moses I would be honored to be thought of as Joshua. And so kind of lending yourself to the sort of sound that, that you kind of want to give off or like, or you, you sort of suggest in your music. So how would you describe your music in that way? Maybe in that particular context, because we all, most of us, I'm sure, or maybe if you're listening, might be familiar with the Leonard Cohen sound. I'm, I'm sure perhaps, but, uh, what would, how would you, what would you describe it as then, Ian, on your take on your music? Yeah, there's, uh, with Leonard Cohen, there's an indelible reverence for the spirit of femininity and there's an er, strong erotic quality to it. And mm-hmm. if you listen to all, all four of my songs, even though it's a 
acoustic music, it's folk music. It doesn't have that Marvin Gaye. No, it doesn't have wah-wah pedals and all that. But there's a huge, and it's intentional strain of eroticism all throughout the song. And there's mm-hmm. that yearning, that desire. And his music has that yearning and that desire for companionship and for a warmth and femininity. And my music has that exact same warmth. And I think, I think Leonard Cohen was really onto something. The main reason why I want to be thought of as Joshua is that toward the end of his life, he was really, really onto something. And uh, from about 2001 to 2020, uh, all those albums that he released, he was really approaching something quite great. Mm-hmm. But eventually, you know, his health faded and he passed away and he was really mining for, for something. I would love to continue that endeavor yeah. and bring, bring that to, because I know that his voice was, no matter how great his songwriting was, his voice will always be thought of as unfavorable to so many listeners, which is a huge shame. You know, I can't tell you how many people I've tried to convince to check his music out, but they, every now and then, I don't know, I'm sure you, you've met those people. I, mean, I hope you're not one of them, but if you are, I can still respect it. It's, uh, they just can't, <laughs> they find the voice too unpleasing. I would also provide that sound in a much more consumable format. Yeah, and, for sure. For the next generation. Well, trust me, I'm an audio. Uh, let me let me let me set the record here as well, not just for yourself, but for I I, I guess if you're listening too, that uh, no, I have nothing against Leonard Cohen's vocals because I think that kind of adds. No one else can do it like Leonard Cohen can do it. So I, I think there's a very much a uniqueness in the way that he executes his vocals on there. So while to some it may not be music to their ears, I think it's definitely some kind of uh, it, it's part of the soundtrack, and I think it, uh, it his music would not be the same without his vocals on it for sure. So. Yeah, I remember reading an Exclaim magazine review of one of his albums, and he said that one of his songs where he tries to sound sexy, it sounds like Grandpa from The Simpsons uh, <laughs> <laughs> a song. And I was like, wow, you guy, that's, why would you say that? <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know, to each their own, I guess, right? I think Grandpa from The Simpsons, like, dressed up in a fedora and a suit, oh, and, like, man. just singing on stage. <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm. that, 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 that's a pretty fun song. Yep, yep. No, honestly, to each their own. So even if, yeah. and I'm sure there are, of course, people that uh, that that may not be the, the the greatest fans of of his his music or his sound, but you know that's 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 I guess their opinion. And, and there there are there are uh, I, I will say genres that I I definitely prefer myself, and some that maybe not as much. Still would listen to, but maybe I would pick others over them but you know music music to me is music so it's it's a listening experience and that's really what it is and so i would say that songs for rebecca for instance is a great example of a good musical listening experience i would say then thank so, you oh my gosh yeah so nice. i would love to hear more of your thoughts on the recording was there anything that stood out to you or like a song that stood out or any moments where or a line because uh, it's always i can't listen to it objectively anymore so i, I would love i would love to hear someone's fresh perspective on yeah, oh, for sure. I mean, I, I'm uh, knowing uh, it, with with most arts anyway. I know there's always that uh, needing the uh, an additional set of eyes and ears on things, especially after having seen or heard it for so long. But you know, for me, I think it was just really the whole as an ensemble. I, I would say that while there, there for me, there wasn't exactly. Uh, one specific one that stood out. I think it was the ensemble of all four of them as you kind of gel them all together in the EP, I think. It's, it's that entire experience for me. So I think it was really being able to feel the, the, it's interesting the, the, because the, the, the way it transitions you you hear the transitions between the different songs but it almost all feels like one, one continuous experience from tip to tail. Especially on the original side for me because you do have sort of that 
way of being able to quickly go from song to song where you almost wouldn't even tell there was a, a song difference. It's kind of like a nice continuity in that way. So that's kind of what I found quite interesting in terms of the way you had the four tracks set up on the CP. Thank you. That's, that was completely intentional because hmm. yeah, I'm very aware of people's attention spans. I could have, you know, I'm, I write so many songs, I, I, hundreds, I thousands of songs, but I, and people have often said, oh, why don't you just oversaturate people with tons and tons of stuff? And one, not all of them are going to be excellent, obviously. And secondly, even good songs don't yield good recordings. And the number one, uh, apart from the reverence of femininity and women and uh, woman is God and God is woman and showing reverence there, I also wanted to show reverence for audio production and sound. Mm-hmm. And there's something to be said about that. You know, those, uh, these, this is a really powerful sonic experience and that's not something that can be achieved constantly or without a great deal of uh, effort. So I didn't want to, I, I, could, I could have put out 12, you, you know exactly what I mean. You, you listen to a lot of local music, you get an album from a band, and uh, you try to listen to it, you try to get into it, but it just sounds, you know, there, there's, it's just something about it that's just not engaging, or just not, uh, it just sounds second rate, or the word rinky-dink is sometimes used to describe it. Mm-hmm, yeah. It just sounds just so unengaging, and so I just really wanted to make, I'd rather make just one song that's engaging, let alone four. Uh, you know, the, the, basically, I wanted to say I, I wanted to make a recording that people would not pay lip service to, that you would actually listen to, and I, I yeah. hope I achieved that. And so, with the four songs, uh, there's many more songs that are on the way, but at least with the four songs, I wanted it to be a great listening experience where you're not uh, paying lip service to it. You're not streaming like 20 seconds of the first song and then they're like, "Oh, good job! No, it sounds good." It's like, "Oh no, no, no you're actually going to listen to it, and uh, it's going head to head with all the stuff in your." that you're listening to regularly. So it has to be at that level. And thanks to my friend Justin, who helped produce it. He helped choose the songs, he helped lay down the bed tracks. We really made something that can be listened to again and again. That's actually something you would listen to. Yeah. Not just something you, you know, I slap together, right? You know, it's yeah. listenable. Yeah, I think, you know, starting with a small sample of music just to kind of get something that would be thoroughly enjoyed out there, uh, rather than just going through with a bunch of releases at once and then just hoping to see which of these, which out of the X number of songs I'll put on an album maybe sticks and, and becomes something that people like. So having, yeah, that fully enjoyable experience uh, definitely is a great idea and having that in this EP. So it's definitely one of those sorts of things. Yeah. Excellent. And there's a natty, if you like the way the Cole looks on the album cover, do you see the natty of music video? Yes, I did. I actually had gone through it. Uh, now, I will say I listened to the song first, and so the going through the video just when I first saw it was just very, somewhat of a skim, but I did see some very powerful uh, uh, images in that video. Like, it's an interesting uh, sort of overlay of different faces of, of the same person as what I perceived it to be. So what was it actually? Tell me about a bit behind, behind uh, your sort of, uh, I guess, the, the way you wanted to structure this music video or the kind of uh, image that you wanted yeah. to convey? Well, first of all, yeah, I was really adamant about choosing the right uh, actress. And Nicole, I think, is just really a compelling actress. She she has that youth, that promise, that it's innocence, but it doesn't have naivete. And she, she's just a completely compelling person to watch in anything. So I just wanted to show Nicole and how angelic she is in many different capacities. Now, you've seen her on the album cover looking heavenly, and you've, now you'll see her looking disheveled or looking, you know, in pigtails or looking 
pensive or sorrowful or, or joyful. But she's just such a captivating person. I just really wanted to show that. And, uh, you know, the song, I think, is a powerful work of audio, but I knew it needed a video. Again, similar to making music that you actually want to listen to, I wanted to make a video that people would actually want to see. And, yeah. You know, it, it, this could go, if you're, if you're watching the best music videos ever on YouTube, and you go to my video, at least you're like, oh, cool, I, I enjoyed this. This was a really captivating visual and then we, we had a projector with Franklin Roosevelt who does the spoken word section yes. in the middle of the song yeah. and it, it was really meant to introduce people you know even people who maybe were, would not be fans of this music they see the video and it captivates them and the cool uh, yeah the different uh, the different stages that, that the Nadia character goes through the Nadia character who was happy at the time but then she's sad and then she's sorrowful and then she has anxiety and ultimately there's a recognition that those two sides, the blue side and the red, and so the reddish side and the blue side, can come together and form the singular consciousness. Now, we have the left brain, which is analytical, but then we have the right brain, which is more normative. And we need the, the right brain and the left brain to coalesce. And ultimately, yeah. you see the world as one giant mess and to uh, be able to interpret it and to see the to see the world with all the order and its chaos. I hope yeah. the video, I hope people enjoy the video and I hope it helps bring them some comfort. Oh, for it's sure. So hard yeah, definitely. If, if the song itself is not plenty enough, then for sure the video is going to be adding that an extra layer of experience because uh, Nicole really does embody all of those expressions and emotions very well in that video. So big props to her on that. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So you've got you've got the EP. I know you mentioned that there's some songs coming up, of course. Uh, so I'm assuming that maybe, perhaps, before we know it, maybe we might be seeing a more full length release at some point. Or uh, what are your plans up ahead in general, if not? Oh, I've been writing a lot. Um, just uh, I love writing. It's such a beautiful act. I'm starting to understand that. I've been put in a pretty unique position. I have a, I have a gift, you know. And perhaps the, the gift was something I didn't appreciate when I was younger, but mm-hmm. I, I have a gift. I, can, I have this ability that most people don't have. And now I've started to have this brand that, well, this platform where people want to hear more. And so this is a really terrific opportunity. Uh, I have a, I'm working with a producer named Jay Crafton. Who's uh, in Toronto? So, if anybody is looking for a producer or looking for anything related to music, you should check out Jay Crafted. His name is J A Y, and then Crafted is C R A F T O N. And uh, yeah, he, he and I, uh, so far we have anywhere from two to four songs that we're going to put out. Yeah, I might, I might do a full length. I think that the full length releases, though, they you have to be aware of people's listening habits. And do people really sit down and listen to twelve song albums? Uh, yeah, as one piece. I, I appreciate what you said about the four song album, but yeah, I've seen so many. We've seen a lot of sophomore slumps in uh, Canadian Indian music. Like, there's this person in the first place, the hot thing, and then the darling, and then the next thing is just, you know, rubbish. So, uh, mm-hmm. you just rest assured that if and when I do release anything else, it's going to be of really high quality. It's really not going to be a rushed. Uh, you know, a lot of people get a little bit of praise and they get all excited. And they think they're, you know, a genius, and then they release like a twelve-song monstrosity. So I definitely try to avoid that trap. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no. Nope. Maybe, maybe you don't. Maybe, maybe you share a different perspective. 
No, no, just I, I figure that it's, it would be strategic timing, right? Because if you want to produce a quality cut, then you may as well take the time and put the time into it rather than having, I guess, a rushed release that maybe would be a hit or miss. Some people might uh, still say, oh, hey, this is actually not too bad. Others will, will catch on to the rushed nature of it very quickly and things like that. So honestly, you know, there, there's no, uh, of course, there would be personal timings and that sort of thing. But from from a from a listener's perspective, at least from, from my case, I... I don't see any particular rush as things go on, so you know what whatever works best in quality, I may as well strive for that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm loving it. Yeah. So and and of course, I know we're looking forward to hearing all the other songs that come out, whatever may be up ahead, and so whatever else, whatever other great ideas uh, that you may have that are going to come through in your music to come. So of course, uh, we'll start off with at least being able to digest and enjoy songs for Rebecca. But if in case people want to have themselves this, if we've hyped up the album or the, uh, the vinyl, rather the record copy of it enough, how can we get in hold of you or how can we find your, your merch or any of your, uh, music or vinyl and so on and so forth? Where can we catch you? Ian Arden songs. Oh, perfect. Yeah, there you go. And then everything is there. I believe then that means your socials will be linked on there as well. Ways to reach out to Ian and it's all on that website. For sure, and, and even you know, this conversation has honestly been quite a testament to just the listening ear that Ian has, because of course, any kind of it, it, you know, if you're listening to this and you feel like there's nobody out there that you can turn to, if you're if you're if you're going through anything right now that might be of of a of a, of a mentally challenging nature or just anything, any kind of troubles you're having, you know, it, uh, it it's important to know that you, as much as you may hear this a lot, but it's really true, and it's very important that you're not alone in whatever that you, whatever it is that you are experiencing so hey this show is here ian is there there are people out there that you can turn to uh do you have any closing thoughts while we're on that topic ian just in terms of uh, where you know reaching out and how people can get support and such absolutely yeah well if you're struggling with uh anything mental health wise you gotta you have to you have to acknowledge it you have to name it the truth only sets you free a lot of people like to live in denial but you just have to acknowledge it and speak it out loud and say say it out loud to someone, and all of a sudden, you know, the cat's out of the bag, and then you can, and you can work towards it. The we talked earlier about living in an individualistic society, and that can be a challenge sometimes. One of my favorite things I ever saw was uh, during COVID. There was a cover of "Lean On Me" done by all these Canadian all stars. I don't know if you saw it. It starts with Justin Bieber. Sounds familiar, and, uh, but it definitely sounds very oh, powerful. <laughs> Regardless, you, you, you've yeah. seen it though, right? I, I believe so. Now, because the thing yeah. is, I've seen I've seen all these beautiful covers of Lean on Me that I think I think all the artists involved have been a blur, so I actually can't remember yeah. which oh, version. You, but I'm sure uh, I'm sure I would have encountered it. Yeah, it's literally like the all star cast of Canadians, like Justin Bieber, Michael Bublé, Avril Lavigne, Peter mm-hmm. Thompson, mm-hmm. Uh, all of them singing. Brian Adams, Celine Dion, they all sing on the on a cover of Lean on Me together over Zoom or whatever because of the. 
uh, to, to help people during COVID. Mm-hmm. And that line, sometimes in our lives, we all have pain, we all have sorrow. But if we are wise, we know that there is always tomorrow. Lean on me. And so you got to find somebody to lean on because like the Wither said, we all need somebody to lean on. And yeah. if, if there's nobody in your life, then you need to see a professional. And there's, or if the problems are so insurmountable that you need a professional. But the... Yeah, another I, I, thing is I really, without getting overly personal, I've struggled with some stuff, and I didn't always have the family, even biologically, I didn't have the family I always wanted to meet it, and I didn't have the family of friends I always wanted to meet it. And so when you talk about the collaborators, that's really what I'm trying to create. I'm trying to create a world, that beautiful oasis, that escape, that Eden, that garden, that paradise, musically. Mm-hmm. And so I hope that if you look at the song to Rebecca, it was made with love and it was made to help guide you, shepherd you through the times of that. That whatever metaphysical person you imagine that I am, that could be your friend or could be your guide, please allow me to be that for you because that's what Leonard Cohen was to me. That's what a lot of people are to me. But you can also reach out to me as well. Uh, I want to be there for you. And if you're ever thinking about suicide, if you're planning it, just postpone it. Thanks so much for that message, Ian. I think it's a very important one to be heard. And yes, it's a very important emphasis on the fact that you, if you're listening to this, and, and you, you may need to hear this, that you're not alone on this. That we're here for you, Ian's here for you again. And even me on the show, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm around to reach out too. if you just need just some shoulder to lean on. You know, we're around for you to help you out in that way. But Ian, honestly, that was a perfect way to sum it all up and thank you so much as well for your time and of course for whatever reason that uh songs to rebecca may reach out to you if you're if you're uh, listening to this and want to check it out then you've got the means now it's available out you can check it on his website in the various mediums available as well as merch and uh, we look forward to seeing what else Ian may have down the road ian thanks so much again for your time thanks so much jomar this is an amazing podcast and it's uh you're gonna you're gonna watch it's gonna ignite thank you so so much for uh, for this when i was 17 i met a lonely girl she told me pleasant things 
about a world unknown. She lived a painter's dream. And that was a conversation I had with Ian Art, and hopefully you've enjoyed that. And be sure to check out once again his latest EP called Songs for Rebecca. And uh, be sure to get the vinyl version. I definitely recommend it because you're going to be in for a real treat on the flip side, which is not released anywhere else except on the vinyl. This has been First Up for 93.3 CFMU, broadcasting out of McMaster University in the basement of the Student Center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. This show is being recorded from home in Mississauga, but still going on nonetheless. Behind me now is another track from the EP called Wind. And uh, we're going to head out with this one. Hopefully you enjoy it. And thanks again for tuning in. Until the next episode, I'll see you then. And you take care.